0: This is The
1: Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story.
0: Politically, I don't vote... It's not that I wouldn't vote Liberal, but I don't tend to vote that
2: way. I'm actually a Greens voter.
0: But yeah, I'd a very strong Labour at the moment.
2: Yeah. yeah, so I'll be voting again for the Liberal Party uh-huh. this election.
1: With the election underway, The Guardian's political reporters have been travelling across the country, talking to voters and candidates. So every week until May 21st, you'll be hearing from people all around the country about the issues they care about and how that's impacting their vote.
3: Uh, and do you know much about who your local MP is and who the candidates are? Yes, I do. Uh, no, I don't. No. Prime Minister and the opposition leader, do you have strong views about them as well? Oh, he's
1: got to go too. Scott Morrison, he's got to go too. He's another idiot. Okay. Another one full of empty
3: promises. Australia has been poorly served by the Morrison government. Scott Morrison himself is really out for Scott Morrison. Yeah, it's just rubbish. Anthony Albanese. The way
0: he talks, he only criticises everything. He doesn't suggest that we could do this or do that.
2: I'm not sure about Albo, you know, I think he's got good integrity, but I'm not sure about his charisma. I mean, he's just a bit of a plotter, really.
1: In this first episode, we look at Western Australia, a state with a hugely popular Labour Premier and some key marginal seats. Today, what Western Australian voters are thinking heading into this election? It's Thursday, the 14th of April. So Paul, you went to West Australia in March. Can you just tell me first about the lay of the land politically in WA heading into this election?
3: Well, Western Australia is a fascinating contest because there was a big shock to the system uh, in the March 2021 state election.
1: Paul Karp is a political reporter at Guardian Australia.
3: Mark McGowan was returned with this absolute landslide, and only two Liberals were elected to the WA lower house. Mm. Now, he'd been premier since uh, 2017 and was very popular for his handling of the pandemic. You know, he was the most popular of any of the premiers, hitting heights of, you know, 91% at one point. So, People in WA they felt safe from COVID because they were in this bubble uh, where you know they had the hard border against the rest of the country for for most of that two years. While you know we had lockdowns that were much longer in in the rest of the country, and his popularity did come off a bit uh, towards the end. Uh, you know, some people thought he kept that border up too long. Eventually, COVID was introduced to the state, but he is still an extremely popular figure.
1: Mm. And what does that state result meant for this contest?
3: WA is always a big target state for Labor because they underperform there and there are lots of seats they think they can win back. But this time more so than ever, because there are seats like Swan on a 3.2% margin, Pearce, where Christian Porter's retiring on 5.2%, and Hasluck on 5.9%, which they, they really think they can win. And those are seats that would fall with a swing much smaller than Mark McGowan got in his election. And all of these seats are in metropolitan or outer suburbs of Perth. And if things go really well for Labor, there are seats further up the pendulum like Tangy, uh, Moore and Canning uh, that could fall if the swing is is larger than expected. There's also a fascinating contest in Curtin uh, where Kate Cheney, the Independent, is taking on Celia Hammond in an otherwise usually safe Liberal seat.
1: Right, but overall there's three really key seats. We did hear at the weekend that Morrison's
2: broad pitch to voters is... It's a choice between a government you know and a Labor opposition that you don't.
1: Is Morrison's pitch any different in WA and in these key seats?
2: Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, tremendous to be here in Perth on such an absolutely gorgeous day. It's great to be here with Premier McGowan
3: as well. Well, last year, Morrison was trying a pitch of, you can have Mark McGowan and me, the popular premier and the experienced prime
2: minister. So, this is about who's going to lead the country. And I think we've got, we've demonstrated, despite being from different political parties, that uh, as professional um, leaders of governments, we get stuff done
3: together. He's stopped using that as much, I think, in a reflection of his own unpopularity, and now it's more a case of better the devil you know, at least you know me, you don't know uh, the Labor opposition and Anthony Albanese. And so Morrison is arguing you can't trust him because you don't know what he'll do in government. And what about Labour's pitch in WA. Well, Labor's pitch in WA is the same as it is, you know, nationwide, really. They want to talk about uh, decreasing the cost of living in terms of cheaper childcare. The pandemic has given us the opportunity to imagine a better future. One where there is more secure work and better paying jobs, stronger Medicare, cheaper childcare. They argue uh, that Morrison's handling of the pandemic was not ideal and was led, in fact, by the Labor premiers and they want to argue that he's not offering a vision for the future.
1: So how are these two broad pitches being received in these key seats in WA? Yeah,
3: so to figure out how people were deciding their vote, I went out to Swan, Hasluck and Curtin. That's two seats that could be picked up by Labor and one that could fall to an Independent. I spoke to at least a hundred people from across different backgrounds and political persuasions. Excuse me, sorry to interrupt. Uh, my name's Paul Carp. I'm a political reporter from Guardian Australia, uh, hoping to speak to. Spailing people up in malls, train stations, wherever we can find them, even the beach. Thank you so much. Um, could we start with your name and if you live locally around this area? Oh, we want to talk to people, regardless of knowing a lot or a little. It's, it's quite all right. So, could I please start with? The... I really enjoy it because these are people that decide elections and. And, you know, often people are like, oh, I don't know that much or, oh, I don't really like talking about politics. But once they get going, they know they know heaps. And, you know, every vote is important. Oh, no, that was very useful. So what did they tell you? So when it comes to Morrison and the Coalition's pitch, many people said that he, he lacks the consistency to really make the case for Better the Devil You Know. They refer to mistakes he made during the pandemic in terms of first wanting uh, WA to open its borders and then backing off that stance. Uh, and do you mind me asking what issues are important to you at the election? It gets GOMO out as soon as we can. It <laughs> just flip flops continuously and it drives me nuts. Mainly with COVID, I think, just completely drivers us nuts with that. And a lot of people drew a contrast between Mark McGowan's handling of the pandemic and Morrison's. Uh, many people didn't see them, you know, working hand in glove. It was more Morrison getting in the way of what Mark McGowan was doing mm. or at best taking credit for something that McGowan had done.
0: I don't think Morrison's done a very good job. I think we've been very lucky in WA to have Mark McGowan and the stance he's taken and been hard decisions, but certainly we, I think we've come back stronger and better for it.
3: All the Liberal states were all worried about the businesses and not about the people, which, which to me was completely wrong. And the, the way they handle it here, proved it and, I'd, and I've never been a Liberal supporter anyway so mainly Labour I have swung to the Greens occasionally.
0: I think Scott
1: Morrison's really um, missed the ball on so many major crises over the last three years and I'm really disappointed because I had a lot of hope that he'd be a really good leader um, but I don't see much leadership.
3: But even hearkening back to things before the pandemic, to, to handling of bushfires uh, in the east of the country and going to Hawaii were things that came up.
0: Mm. My name's Rose and I live in Palmyra, nearly Fremantle. Um, I've got friends, that, for example, that live in Lismore. There's been some really a lack of action taken, a decisive action taken. He seems to have not shown up again, which is coincidentally what he did with the fires. He- there was
3: some strong views on climate. So I think a lot of the people in the suburbs are particularly concerned about
2: climate change and obviously the Liberal government seemed to be dragging their feet a bit on that, particularly, you know, before they went to Glasgow. I mean, they all had to be dragged kicking and screaming to to go net zero by 2050, I mean, begrudgingly. Andrew,
3: who has a farming background, but now uh, lives in Curtin. Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about it
2: because I'm from a farming community. I know the effect it's had on a lot of the farmers.
3: And we did hear again and again uh, about Morrison's handling of Parliament's culture and the treatment of
2: women.
0: Um, The sexism, um, general, too much of a boys' club, I think,
3: still.
2: Yeah, yeah. so I'll be voting again for the Liberal Party this election.
3: Uh, And how do you rate Scott Morrison's performance?
2: Um, I think he's been slow to respond on some issues, particularly those in Parliament House with the Brittany Higgins issue.
3: Uh, It's Andrew, yeah, and I live around here. Oh, I just thought, you know, all the sexual harassment and that sort of stuff, it seems like a really Neanderthal environment. Yep. It, you know, the culture of, of politics seems really bad and I think the Prime Minister can take some responsibility for that. One voter, Laura, a Liberal voter, defended Morrison but was still frustrated at the events of the past few years. And
1: I think he's he's just had a few faux pas that I'm sure he, you know, social media and, and fast media's caught on top of. Like, for example, the incident last year with Brittany Higgins and the comments about, you know, being a father. I don't think he intended to come out like that, but at the same time um, it just goes to show that there's a, um, an old-school approach in how he leads and I don't know if it's um,
3: as relevant anymore as it used to be. OK, great. Thank you so much for your time. And we heard from lots of people from different political backgrounds, you know, progressive Labor Greens voters or independent or undecided voters, who said we needed a National Integrity Commission or a federal ICAC.
0: I want to see um, a federal ICAC more than anything. I think we need to look into the rorts and the things that have been happening.
2: I'm actually a Greens voter. <laughs> On this particular occasion, I think the most important thing is that we get rid of Morrison and and his cronies. (laughs) Start with the need for a
0: federal ICAC.
1: I find that interesting, that this push, which has been a big push from Labor, they committed to doing this if they were to win office, for a federal ICAC, has cut through. I mean, why do people care about this, Paul?
3: I think people identify it as... The solution to a general problem of, uh, you know, what they call corruption in politics—so, bribing through uh, pork barrelling all the grants towards marginal seats. Uh, Jobs for mates in terms of who gets appointed to important government jobs. And so I don't think people are super clear on how a National Integrity Commission is going to fix those, but it comes a byword for um, the culture that they don't like in politics of politicians being in
2: it for themselves. Uh, I probably made up my mind to vote. Um, Labor, only because I think the current government's so bad. It's, there's such a litany of problems, you know, robo-debt and car parks and sports things. Nobody ever hangs for any of these things. Accountability is non-existent in this government. Edward Brannan,
3: an independent voter and a resident of City Beach, which is a little further up from Cottesloe,
2: he says that... My, my overall feeling is <sighs> despair on the two-party system. Um, it's just not getting things done. It's not addressing uh, the issues. So uh, well, I can't see that changing.
1: So, Paul, it feels like the overarching theme of all this is that you spoke to a lot of people from across the political spectrum who have some strong negative views on Morrison and his handling
3: of some key issues. Well, Labor voters were more vehement about it, but this was something that you you heard from undecided voters who say that they don't pay a lot of attention to politics. Uh, You know, if people only had one opinion to share, it was generally something negative about Morrison. Mm. The problem for Morrison is it's not just middle of the road undecided voters. There's also a cohort of voters who actually hate the way that Mark McGowan has dealt with the pandemic because he's imposed vaccine mandates on, you know, 75% of the workforce. And what issues are important to you uh, in the upcoming federal election?
0: Get rid of these mandates, that's what's important
1: to me. You know, McGowan backpedals all the time. He says one thing and then it's something
3: else, so he's gotta go because he's just full of empty promises. But they also don't like Scott Morrison, and the, fe- the federal leaders? He's got to go too. Scott Morrison, he's got to go too. He's another idiot. Because they wish that he'd intervened more to override those things. So the coalition vote is getting you know, nibbled at both ends. Could we start with your name and if you live locally around this area, please? My name's Ken
2: and I live up in Bullsboro.
3: What about the leaders? What do you think of the Prime Minister and the Opposition Leader?
2: Well, I think they've been pretty poor. There's a whole... This whole COVID thing really is just coming more and more... Absolutely ridiculous. I think it's been managed very poorly from the government. I think it's been incorrectly managed. I, I'm unemployed now because of these bloody mandates. Oh, okay. and, and 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 we're we're in deep trouble. Uh, I certainly won't be voting for the for the major parties. There's no no way I'd vote for them after this. Um, and certainly when the next state election comes around, i Mister McGowan won't be won't be getting anything of mine not either.
3: So you don't want to decide between Albanese and Morrison in terms of who becomes PM?
2: No. No, I, I, I don't think Morrison will and I think it'd be a disappointment if, if Albanese get, gets in the seat, he probably will. One One
3: Nation voter at the train station who was also very hesitant to talk to us. Could I start with your name, please? And if you live locally in this area? No, I don't want to give that to the Guardian. No, that's fine. So you're, you're concerned with how the pandemic w- w- was, was handled by the sounds of it. Um, what did you think of how the federal government managed that, that issue over the last two years? Very reactionary
1: had had uh, no plan really. But um, everything they did was just terrible. Just locked it down, destroyed the entire economy and proven that it didn't actually save anyone.
3: And do you have strong views about Scott Morrison or Anthony Albanese? Do you, do you like either of them as leaders?
2: No, not really. Scott Morrison, bit of a like, weak-willed coward and most of Labor I'd just consider an extension of China. Probably the same for the Liberal Party.
3: For every person who's willing to be recorded and say for the tape what they think, there are more people who are angry and are distrusting of the mainstream media who will have a chat, they just won't give their name or be recorded. So there is a cohort of people who are going to vote for independents and minor parties who do not plan to preference either Labor or Liberal Mm. and they know that you're supposed to, they know that you have to number every box, but they're not going to do it. They're angry at both parties and they're going to express that by voting for candidates they do want and then stopping.
1: What does this negative sentiment from across the political spectrum say to you, Paul?
3: I think the government is not looking at a wipeout on the scale of the state election. We did meet voters, uh, you know, who rated the handling of the economy and national security. For example, Jane at a cafe in Clermont said she's a Liberal voter. I feel
0: sorry for Scott Morrison in one way because it's been a, oh, a terrible time and everyone's been fumbling trying to work out what's going on. And But he has been MIA more often than he should.
2: I think Scott Morrison's faced an incredibly difficult time over the last four years. I think the pandemic's been handled as well as it could be.
0: I think because of the times in this COVID 19, I think anybody with any power have been doing their best they can do. It's, it's just been terrible, yeah.
3: And many voters said that they didn't know who Anthony Albanese is or what his policies are and just thought he didn't have a lot of presence. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one independent voter, Edward Brannan...
2: And Albanese is a little bit unknown, you know, but there won't be much change, whatever you get, you know.
0: What's his... I know Albanese, don't know his first name, but, yeah, definitely voting Labor this year, for sure. And
3: a Liberal voter.
0: My name is Gretchen Walsh.
3: Said she couldn't even remember his name.
0: But as for that Albert Pudler, no. Fair enough. I think that's why they won't do much good because of him. He doesn't give you any confidence. He doesn't talk about what he can do. He just criticises everybody else.
1: Mm, I imagine that is a worry for Labor, especially because we've also seen this reported elsewhere that some people just don't even know the opposition leader's name. Is that uncommon leading into a federal election?
3: I don't think it's uncommon. I mean, the Prime Minister always has a bigger platform and more media presence. It's especially true during the pandemic. It was really hard for Anthony Albanese to get uh, much attention during the pandemic, but it's also been a deliberate strategy. Last time they just think the election was too focused on, on Bill Shorten and this time they want to make it a referendum on Morrison, not them. But many voters also cared less about the national picture and more about local issues, and particularly how their MP had performed. Greg Waller, but I live in uh, Midland. I spoke to a former Labor voter in Midland who said that he votes for his local member, Liberal MP and Indigenous Affairs Minister Ken Wyatt. Do you have a view on how he's doing in the job? I think he's doing a very good job, yeah. I've been to a a coffee with Ken. He tries to interact
0: with the... uh, neighbourhood and uh, really it's the local MP that you can interact with and get issues corrected that you're worried about. So I'm more of the local MP than, uh, like, uh, Scott Morrison's not going to answer my phone call, but uh, Ken Wyatt will, you know?
1: Next, could a swing to Labor in Western Australia knock out a current Cabinet Minister? Right, so I know a bit about Ken Wyatt in regards to decisions that he's made in his portfolio as Minister for Indigenous Affairs, but what do we need to know about him and his seat of Hasluck, Paul?
3: Well, he's been in Parliament for a while. He was elected in 2010 when he became the first Indigenous Australian to be elected to the House of Representatives. Uh, And since then, uh, he served in the Turnbull government as aged care minister. He took on portfolios of Indigenous health and then Indigenous affairs. And his seat of Hasluck is, you know, quite important because if Labor only delivers Swan and Pearce in WA, then maybe we're looking at minority government, whereas Hasluck is the sort of tipping point seat where if they can can deliver three seats in WA, it's more likely they're looking at a workable majority government.
1: Mm. So what's the situation for Ken Wyatt in Hasluck right now?
3: So Ken Wyatt is, you know, trying to stare down a national swing and a swing to Labor at the state level and hoping that, you know, his personal appeal will hold the seat. Mm. Thanks very much for making the time. Um, we've been out and about uh, in your electorate. I went and to speak lot- to him outside the Rail and Sports Centre in Les Murdy. And that's where a special needs basketball competition called West Rise uh, is run and Wyatt has been a patron of that since 2011. A lot of people know you, a lot of people like you, but a lot of people are also uh, voting on big federal issues in terms of uh, the pandemic response or, or what they think of the Prime Minister. Uh, what is your what is your pitch to those uh, voters as you, as you seek re-election in how's Well,
2: what I've been saying to people is, What makes a difference are the local issues.
3: When I spoke to him, he was keen to emphasise his connection to the local community.
2: What's been always important in my term in this office is working with local community groups, whether it's sporting or whether it's the uh, fire and rescue teams or it's other uh, groups of people that make a contribution to the quality of life. And
3: Wyatt says he can deliver more in this electorate and it's not just because he's in Cabinet. Every
2: member will fight for issues that are important within their electorate. It's got nothing to do with me being a minister because when I was a backbencher back in 2010, I was fighting for resources for uh, the various groups within uh, my electorate. And you lobby. Uh, you go and put the case for an organisation to be funded. You give them the reasons why. If I was a minister and I had the uh, influences to indicate it, then I would have all the funding that I needed for this electorate. Uh, But I don't. I've slowly fought for things.
1: And what kind of issues was he keen to raise with you? Wyatt
2: isn't just running on
3: local issues. He's running the coalition's national lines as well that Labor can't be trusted to handle the economy or national security.
2: Mm. The Prime Minister is very pragmatic. He's committed to growing the economy, making sure that we're safe. National security is extremely important to the coalition and we will always work on ensuring Australia is a safe place and measures we've taken over a period of time, including deporting people who are significant offenders and dangerous to the community, we're not afraid to do that.
3: Thanks, Thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it.
2: No, thank you. It was nice meeting him as well.
1: So who is running against Wyatt and what is their pitch that they're hoping will convince people to vote for them instead of someone who's so well known, both in the electorate and on a national level?
3: The Labor candidate in Hasluck is Tanya Lawrence. I met her in a cafe in Ellenbrook, a part of the electorate that moved from Pearce to Hasluck, where Ken Wyatt is less well known. So Tanya Lawrence is experienced. She's worked in government as a public servant in the corporate sector at, at Woodside. So she's a capable person.
0: Having worked in different fields from governments, having a decade working at Premier and Cabinet, um, working on a range of um, issues within that department um, of a national nature as well as state and local, Um, and then moving into corporate world, working with a top five Australian company and now having my own small business.
3: She's passionate about climate change.
0: Given that we, we live and breathe the risk of climate change there with bushfires.
3: And mobile phone reception, which is important in a huge electorate like Hasluck.
0: Mobile phone coverage is really, actually it's patchy across the entire electorate. That would be one issue in common throughout.
3: That's on the outer fringe of the Perth CBD and into the surrounding region. But ultimately, it seems she's hoping voters will have Morrison in mind when they head to the polls.
0: It's about looking at what he was responsible for and his failure to act on vaccines, on on quarantine. And I think that will be reflected in the the election. I don't have any beef with Ken Wyatt. My beef is with Scott Morrison and the conversations very much, you know, with the electorate are around what their expectations are that the Liberal government should have delivered by now and have failed to do so. And is that a reflection on Ken? That's ultimately for the voters to decide. Mm.
1: So, Paul, after going to WA and speaking to more than 100 voters in some key seats, what were your main takeaways from this trip and do you have any predictions about what could happen in the election ahead?
3: Well, my impression is that things are not as bad for the coalition as at the WA state election. You do still find uh, rusted on Liberal voters who vote on the economy or national security and say Morrison has done a good job, but things are not great for them. If you're an undecided or, or low engagement voter, and it's not just that group of voters, it's also you know, reactionary right-wing voters who really hate vaccine mandates also hate Scott Morrison. Mm. And between those two groups, it's really just hard to see how he's going to, uh, to win votes back in a state that is normally one of the coalition's strongest.
1: Mm. You mentioned that, you know, Labor and other people are really reading into this state result from last year. Do you think that that's wise? Do you think that we can see a swing to Labor just from that state result or is that a bit of
3: overreach there? I think Labor are being careful because they don't want to be accused of hubris. Uh, they've over-promised and under-delivered in WA previous elections, um, but it's got a bit of the... Uh, Liza Minnelli and Cabaret feel about it, like not, not a loser uh, anymore like the last time and the time before. You know, maybe this time I'll win. They re- they really think this time it could be on for them in WA. They just want to try and be quiet about it.
1: That was Paul Carp, political reporter for Guardian Australia. You can find more of The Guardian's election coverage at theguardian.com. You can also listen to Full Story's campaign catch-up, our daily election update released in the afternoon that will tell you everything you need to know as the campaign progresses. We've put a link to Paul's coverage of Western Australia on the Full Story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria, sound designed by Joe Coning, mixing by Miles Matignani. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, and me, Laura Murphy Oates. Okay, catch you tomorrow.